This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! After a long layoff, the Lightning Round Podcast is back. I am Garrett Sisti, the same on Twitter. Jamie is at lightning underscore round, and we are previewing position groups today as we inch closer to training camp. We're going to be talking about quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, fullbacks, all of them. And we're going to talk about uh, those position groups today. But before we get into donations, before we get into questions, before we get into the previewing of position groups, we've got a small announcement. So some of you have been asking uh, over the last couple of months what's going on with the app. You've noticed that the the podcast has been has previous shows have dropped from the app, and you've been asking when we're gonna when it's going to be back up and what's going on. Unfortunately, the answer is the app will not be back up. And as much as we enjoyed using it for content and for for communicating with all of you and interacting with everybody, unfortunately, we've just reached the point where it's really no longer as useful as we thought it would be. Um, we just kind of decided that with the new channel that we're on with the podcast, uh, that we really didn't need the app anymore and that there are enough places to get it that it was time to kind of discontinue that and move on without it. So no more app. There are still plenty of ways that you can get the show. Obviously, if you're hearing this, you're listening to it right now. It's everywhere. Everywhere you get your podcast, you'll be able to find the Lightning Around podcast. Just search the Bolts from the Blue and you will find our podcast. It is the Bolts from the Blue Podcast Network. So thank you all for using the podcast. We appreciate you downloading it to to get to to communicate with us and download the show. But uh, unfortunately, it's time to move on from that. So Yeah, I think it's still up and running. So if you wanted to send an email to us or if you wanted to uh, leave a voicemail, you can still do that. But it's going to go down soon. And if you want to get a hold of us in terms of questions, you can always contact Jamie on Twitter at lightning underscore round. That's our account. There on Twitter. It's also Lightning Round on Facebook. I'm at Garrisisti on Twitter. And uh, if you want to email us, if you don't have any of those and you're going dark in social media, you can email us. It's lightninground at outlook.com. Uh, that, if you want to email us a question, but you can still get a hold of us. You can still reach us uh, just moving in a different direction now. And uh, the app should be down soon. So let's go ahead and get into the donations now because there are some nice guys who left donations for us while we were gone. But while we were gone on this long layoff, we got a couple donations. So the first donation is from Marcus Terrigian. Like we like to say, our greatest benefactor. So thank you, Marcus, for the repeat kindness. We appreciate it. Yep. William Boyston is also a name I recognize. So thank you very much, Marcus. And thank you, William, for the donations while we were away. Uh, we got a question as well, and uh, I'll read that, and then we'll get into this uh, position group preview. Uh, it says, what's up, fellas? My name is Manny. Yes, the same Manny that was at SDSU graduation ceremony last year. I want to apologize for not responding to the shout-out Garrett sent me almost a year ago. It was much appreciated, and just know I've been listening to each episode. Nobody remembers, but a year ago, I met this guy at SDSU, and uh, I gave him a shout-out on the podcast because he was a nice guy. So that was a very inside. But anyway, uh, he goes on to say, I just want to stop by and say thank you for the podcast. I'm a big fan. I love the dynamic you both bring to the show. I have one music question for Garrett, which I know Jamie's going to hate. Uh, he didn't write that, but I said that. <laughs> uh, what are your top three albums in the last year? 
Also, one fun question for the both of you. Would you guys ever be up for doing a drunk show just for fun? The idea of hearing Jamie with no filter sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Thanks for the time, Manny. So, Jamie, what do you feel about doing a drunk podcast? Well, it sounds like uh, like he's not familiar with our uh, our Uncensored podcast, which we did a while ago and may still be one of our most popular podcasts outside of the draft <laughs> stuff. Uh, yep. We still get requests for it all the time, and it can be fun and um, cathartic under the right circumstances. But I think a show like that needs to have really good reason for it. So hopefully we – well – we didn't have a lot of reason for it last season because the team was good. So we didn't have much reason to lay into the team and take the filters off and take the gloves off, so to speak. But uh, if we get a good reason for it this year, maybe we can revisit it because uh, I think the I think the Uncensored show was fun the first time we did it. We did a follow-up, and it wasn't quite as fun. It was a little bit forced, but maybe <laughs> maybe under the right circumstances, it can be good again. Yeah, the Uncensored podcasts were fun because it was during the Mike McCoy era, and it was just a terrible season. It was the same in-game mistakes week in and week out. It was terrible in-game management. Mike McCoy was stifling the offense and bringing this team down, and it was kind of fun to just unload. And then Anthony Lynn comes on, and... It's just been okay, and the team is actually now good, so we don't want to be contrived and force it too much. So the Uncensored podcast, even though everybody's requesting it after a bad loss, it's it's not warranted unless things really, really go downhill, and let's hope that doesn't happen. But a drunk podcast sounds like a happy medium, you know, not having to force the anger, but uh, being a little bit unfiltered with a couple of drinks. I mean, if the, under the right circumstances, why not? But uh I like the idea. Yeah, it could be fun. I think the only game we've really had that would have justified that recently would have been the loss to the Patriots in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, kind of like a drunk rewatch kind of a thing. Uh or something along those lines. But yeah, it could be a good it could be a good uh good way to kind of break up the I don't know, the repetitiveness of the show sometimes. It can be fun. Yeah, and especially because we didn't do a podcast after that because nobody wanted to hear the you know the analysis of that game because we all watched it and hated it and didn't want to relive it. Some people actually did want to hear the analysis of that game, and I think they're just gluttons for punishment. But uh, there were some people that were disappointed <laughs> we didn't do a, a pod after that. They thought we were cheating, kind of cutting corners there. But uh, for the most part, nobody wanted to relive that for sure. Yeah, so you know that's actually something we'll look forward to in the future and something we'll keep in mind for sure because – that kind of sounds like fun and something I would definitely enjoy. I know Jamie would too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, real quick with the albums. Kamasi Washington was good. Uh, his album, Heaven and Earth, is a really good one. Uh, and this is just off the top of my head. I thought Pusha T, Daytona, and Nipsey's album, I know that sounds like it might be, uh, I'm, I'm pandering here, but Victory Lap was so good, uh, much better than Astro World and Cardi B. I, I'd, I'd stack those two albums up against Cardi B and... Uh, Travis Scott, but and then currently Lizzo's "Cause I Love You" is pretty good. So, real quick, those are some albums that I, I remember being pretty good. I know I could find better ones, but uh, we got to move on to these position groups. So, thanks, Manny. Appreciate it. Thanks for writing in. Uh, good to hear from you. And let's go ahead and get right into it. So today we are covering the Chargers training camp battles. 
We're going to go review quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. We'll throw fullbacks in with running backs as well. Uh, this is going to be a, a series of three or four different podcasts. You know, we'll go on and talk about the offensive line. We'll cover the other side of the football later on too. So uh, look for those a little bit later on. So today we're going to cover just a few groups on offense, and we're going to start today with quarterbacks. So let's kick it off with these four that are currently on the roster. It is Philip Rivers, Tyrod Taylor, the fifth-round pick Easton Stick, and Cardell Jones. And I think you ordered them appropriately there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, You know, obviously Rivers and Taylor are going to make the team. They're paying Taylor a pretty good amount of money for the next two years to have him be the backup. And there are some people who think they might even drop some packages for him uh, as time goes on. Although I think um, Ken Wesenhunt recently said that he's got to learn the playbook first. So it doesn't sound like they're throwing too many wrinkles at him right now. They just want him to figure out what the team does normally before they start designing plays for him. Uh, From there, uh, it's a question of will the team carry three quarterbacks? And if so, will they carry fifth round pick Easton Stick and Cardell Jones? And I think... You know, coming into the season, coming into the off season, before they got to the draft and before they signed Taylor, I think it was widely assumed that the team was probably going to keep Cardell Jones as the number two quarterback, and then they bring in two new quarterbacks, one ahead of him and one theoretically most likely to compete with him for a roster spot. So it seems likely they're going to keep three. Not the way I'd like to see them go with Philip Rivers as the starter, a guy who never misses a game, but. It does seem likely, and it seems like you know there's some kind of a plan for Stick for the future, whether it's as a, as a backup or as a potential starter, which seems like a stretch to me. But you know, you never know how he could develop. So, to me, I think you're looking at Stick and Jones battling it out in camp, and just having seen Jones the last two years and having seen Stick on tape, I think Stick, while he may not have the arm strength that Jones does, I think he has more arm talent in, in the sense that he has the ability to make more throws he can throw with touch he can zip it he can throw it downfield he can throw it underneath he can hit kind of all levels of the field so i think that is going to help him and he's mobile which i think is what they like about cardell jones so to me it seems like the writing's on the wall here they're they're looking to replace jones they've seen him for two years he hasn't met expectations and they've still kept him around now they've got a fifth round pick behind him it seems to me they'd want to keep that pick and justify making that pick in stick so I I have a hard time I have a hard I time. I liked it. <laughs> that was unintentional by the way. <laughs> I did not mean to do that. Uh yep. the pick and stick. Um yep. but anyway, <laughs> accidental rap lyrics. Yep. I like them. <laughs> but anyway, uh it seems unlikely to me that Jones is going to wind up making the team and if he does not wind up making the 53 at this point after 2 years on the practice squad what is really the point of keeping him? I think he has one year of practice squad eligibility left, but if he can't stick on the team this year, you've seen him for three cam- three camps now. He hasn't been able to stick on the roster for a full season. Time to cut bait on that experiment and move forward. Yeah, and you know, if history shows us anything, the Chargers are obviously not afraid to carry through quarterbacks. They have, and they presumably will again this year. I agree. You know, Philip Rivers is and always will be the starter. They added Tyrod Taylor to be the primary backup. They drafted Easton Stick in the fifth round as more of the developmental quarterback on the roster. They've talked about that Taysom Hill role that's kind of been thrown out there from time to time. And uh, those will be your three quarterbacks on the 53, bearing any injury. Uh, going into week one, you know, uh, Easton Stick will most likely be the inactive quarterback. 
on game days early on. But as the season rolls on, like you mentioned, and Wiz talks about learning the playbook a little bit more, you might see him in certain packages on short yardage, maybe even some goal line packages as well. But Cardinal Jones, you know, has the uh, practice squad eligibility. He's a candidate, but I think, you know, we all see it. The ship has just sailed at this point. When the Chargers traded for Cardell, the price was right. I mean, it was a conditional draft pick, and they were hoping to develop more than just the arm strength, and it just hasn't happened. It's going to be his third season with the Chargers, and he just hasn't made that leap in progression. And Cardinal Jones just makes it an easy cut to make. So while he could be a practice squad candidate, keeping four quarterbacks doesn't really make sense. You've got a, a camp arm if you need it. Uh, in practice with Easton Stick if you're carrying three quarterbacks. So uh, I think Cardell Jones is gone come uh, cuts. And uh, I think, you know, like like I listed earlier, Rivers, Taylor, Stick are the three quarterbacks that are probably going to make the 53. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're looking from a roster management kind of roster construction standpoint, you know, if you've got a young guy in Stick who you just spent the fifth, the fifth round pick on, there's really no reason to keep around a 26, almost 27-year-old quarterback who hasn't even ascended to being a full-time backup yet. I mean, you're kind of making your statement that this is probably our future backup, and you might even be making the statement that we hope he can be more than that. So he kind of takes that, you know, lightning in a bottle, hopeful developmental role that Jones has had the last two years, takes that third spot, and then it's like, well, do we really need to keep a fourth quarterback? Let's just move on and fill that spot with you know, a corner or a defensive lineman or something, somewhere where we have a need where we might actually be able to develop somebody who will see the field sometime in the next you know, three years. Yeah, and I think we all kind of assumed this was going to be the case after Geno Smith beat him out last year. It was going to be that battle for QB2, and Geno Smith ran away with it, and he's no longer on the team. So uh, that's how much they value him. Uh, they picked up Tyrod Taylor, who they think they can win with anyway. So, um, the, you know, and with Easton Stick, uh, there's there's enough talent there um, that they, they can develop him, and, th- and there's no real reason to keep Cardell Jones, especially on the practice squad. So uh, the next group here is the running backs, and we'll add fullbacks into this as well. You've got Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, Dietrich Newsom. you got Tremaine Pope, the running back, Jeremy Cox, the undrafted free agent, and Derek Watt, the fullback. The top four are the guys that were on the roster last year. Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, Dietrich Newsom. Uh, that's all going to be your projected running back group heading into the season. Tremaine Pope was a guy they signed last December when Melvin Gordon was injured. But he's been on and off practice squad throughout his career thus far, so he shouldn't be a threat to that main four. Uh, Derek Watt, of course, is penciled in as that lead fullback. Chargers are carrying Jeremy Cox, the old Dominion running back, who's more of a big power back. Uh, has some athleticism at 5'11", 223. The team could see Cox as a fullback because he's kind of a bigger guy. He's got the size and power, but um, I think this is a guy you might look at maybe cracking the practice squad. Outside of his shuttle, Cox tested elite in every other category, and you can't really te- teach that type of athleticism. So he might be a stash, knowing that later on, you know, going into next year, Gordon's contract is looming. It's kind of sticking in the back of your mind. Maybe you think about keeping an extra running back for the future. Uh, he's a possible stash. But, uh, again, this is another group that's kind of locked in, like the quarterbacks, the same four that were there last year, Gordon, Eckler, Jackson, and Newsom, probably going to be your running back group. You know, for the last two years, we've sat on this podcast and said, we don't think there's an available spot at running back. And for the last two years, at least one undrafted free agents made the team. <laughs> so, <True. laughs> 
So I'm kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of tired of being wrong there. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, what I look at when I look at this roster is I, you know, I think no doubt about it. Uh, Gordon, Eckler, and Jackson—they're going to make the roster. Yep. Gordon obviously being the bell cow, Austin being the change of pace slasher guy in the lineup, and Jackson being the guy they spent the draft pick on last year. Those guys, I don't think there's any real threat to them. I, I think with Newsom, he's on the roster, but he most most of the reason he was on the roster last year was because they were just desperate for running backs. I'm not sure that it's wise to carry four running backs on the main roster. I'd rather see three and maybe a fourth on the practice squad. And I think there could be an opportunity for somebody like Cox to make the roster over Newsom, not because I don't like Newsom, but because I don't see how he gets on the field. And I think Cox offers them something that their other three backs doesn't don't really offer in terms of the size and the power back mold, somebody who can maybe help take some of the beating away from Gordon in a pinch, um, maybe some some kind of a short yardage role. You mentioned maybe kind of a pseudo, like a like an H-back kind of a role kind of a thing. Um, I don't know that he does make the team, but I wouldn't say going in that Destrez Newsom is a lock to make the roster just because he's buried on the depth chart behind three healthy, talented running backs. And short of really standing out on special teams as a coverage guy, I don't know what his path to the roster is. I don't know how he really forces the team's hand to carry him. So he, you know, he probably has the inside track on a roster spot right now. But I would think that if they're looking for something different, something that Eckler and Gordon and and Jackson don't offer, Cox could be that guy. So, you know, personally, I'd rather see them carry three and stash a Cox or a Newsom on the practice squad and keep that extra spot open for a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman or a corner three places where we know they're going to have needs, maybe even a linebacker spot. So that's, that's kind of how I'm looking at that spot. Especially with the group we just talked about carrying three quarterbacks. Now you're carrying, you're carrying extra quarterback and three quarterbacks. Then you're carrying extra running back. You got to make up some space somewhere else. And that exactly. means one of these groups is going to get thin. No, I understand what you're saying. I just have a hard time believing that if Dietrich Newsom, with what he did last year, gets cut, that he makes it to the practice squad. I just don't know if you can sneak him on the practice squad. So I assume they're going to carry four running backs, and uh, they end up making one of them inactive, being Newsom. Uh, and with the injury history of Gordon, uh, you know, Eckler being banged up last year too, maybe they keep four. But I- I'm assuming they keep four. I, I think it's it would be hard to – to get Newsom back on the practice squad, but also you've got three talented running backs. Would losing Dietrich Newsom be the end of the world? Probably not, but in my mind, I think they end up keeping four as of today. Yeah, I mean, I could see it going either way. Um, I just feel like if you're committed to carrying three quarterbacks, which I think they are at this point, then you got to find that spot somewhere else. And you're definitely going to need, you know, if it's a question between carrying four running backs or carrying 10 offensive linemen or nine or 10 defensive linemen, I would lean towards the lines, one of the line spots. So that's, and I'm hoping they would too, given all the injuries and issues they've had on, 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 in the trenches, that that's how they would look at it as well. And you might be right. They might, they may lose Newsom. Uh, I don't, you know, they might be able to wait and put them on the practice squad after final cuts are made. Once mm-hmm. people fill out their rosters, um, but it's something to think about. They're, they're going to need that depth on the lines at some point. 
Yeah, Telesco's done that before, too. Been a little sneaky and kept guys on and cut them later on the second wave of cuts. Yeah. But also, like last year, cut a guy like Dylan Cantrell, who we thought no way would make the practice squad. Somebody would snatch him up, and nobody did. So, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. The running back group is definitely a group to watch going into camp if Newsom is in or out. Because I agree with you. I think the top three are locked between Gordon Eckler and Jackson. I think Newsom is a guy you can slide in or out. We'll see how it goes throughout camp. So let's go ahead and move on to tight ends. And the tight end group are Hunter Henry, Virgil Green, Sean Colkin. They picked up Vince Mayo, Andrew Vollert, and they've got two undrafted free agents, Daniel Helm and Matt Sokol. And Mayo is a former wide receiver converted to a tight end. He was a wide receiver mm-hmm. in college. Uh, so this is a spot where you hear a lot of Chargers fans wondering when the Chargers are going to re-sign Antonio Gates, when they're going to bring him in <laughs> to be the tight end three. Keep getting that question, seeing it all over Twitter. I, you know, we've been we've been pretty vocal about the point that we think it's time for the team to move on. I think if either one of us had had our way, they would have drafted a tight end in day three this year. I think yep. it was a need. I think it maybe not a pressing need, but a good uh, like a good way to show that you're thinking ahead because yep. there's a lot of there is a lot of need behind Henry and Virgil Green, whether Gates is on the roster or not. So, you know, uh, this is this is one of those, just like last year, this is a spot where you're going and saying, this is pretty thin behind the top two guys. So, you know, Culkin is a guy who, surprisingly enough, I saw, I think it was Bleacher Report, picked him to be the Chargers' breakout player this year. Not their breakout offensive player, but their breakout player <laughs> of everybody who performed in, in uh, minicamp this year, which is a little scary. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he... Based on the way the roster is constructed right now, you'd have to think that Culkin probably has at least a slight inside track on the tight end three spot. This is a spot where they've carried four tight ends in the past. And given what's behind Henry and Virgil Green right now, it wouldn't entirely shock me if they carried four tight ends again, just because you don't know what you have back there. Uh, You know, I think most of these guys ultimately are blocking tight ends. Helm, Sokol, Volert, I think all these guys are probably better suited to being blocking tight ends than anything. Mayo, like I said, is a former wide receiver, and I think he's got he's had a few catches in the NFL. So he's a guy you might look at to be a second receiving tight end or third receiving tight end behind Green. Uh, I think this is a spot where they get a couple weeks into camp and they're probably on the phone with Gates. Um, I don't want to see it. I don't necessarily endorse it. But with what they have on the roster right now, Despite having a lot of bodies, there is not a lot of quality depth. Um, you know, Gates is a guy who, I mean, I know he's a Charger great. He's a legend. He's a future Hall of Famer, arguably the best tight end, certainly one of the top five tight ends of all time. No yeah. arguing any of that. Uh, we nope. both love him and respect him. But he was the receiving tight end on the roster last year, and his numbers went down again, I think, for the third year in a row. Receptions went down, yards were down a little bit, I think, and he only had two touchdowns in spite of the fact that he was only competing with Virgil Green for catches at the tight end spot. That is not very encouraging for somebody who you know they're going to bring back into the fold here before too long. So I think he's done. I'd love to see him retire. I hope they stick to their guns and move on, but I don't think they will. I think they're going to see a need there, and they're going to panic, and they're going to bring him back for nostalgic reasons. And he's probably going to underwhelm again, and people want to bring him again, bring him back again next year. That's just the way it seems to go. <laughs> it's a never-ending cycle. It is. Yeah, so Hunter Henry, Virgil Green, 
locked in as the top two tight ends. Same thing that happened last year. Colkin can be dethroned as that tight end three, but they didn't bring in anybody in the offseason, not through the draft, not through free agency. And to be quite honest, Virgil Green was supposed to, this was going to be his breakout year in 2018. Hunter Henry goes down. This is his time to finally showcase his talents, and he proved that he is nothing more than a blocking tight end. He should be a tight end three in the NFL. He should not be a tight end two. He should be in on rundowns and then be able to slip out and catch a ball or two, but that's about it. Now, Colkin, obviously, like you mentioned, has the inside track, should be the tight end three. Uh, Of the tight ends they brought in, Vince Mayle, Andrew Vollert are the two that have NFL experience. Mayle I went back and watched. I remember watching him in college. I remember that I didn't think he was drafted because I didn't think he was very good. And uh, he was drafted. He he was drafted in the fourth round by the Browns, but he didn't make their 53 that year. He's bounced around Cowboys, Ravens. It's pretty easy to watch his tape because he's only got like a handful of games that he actually played in. He had two targets his whole career, one in 2015, one in 2017. Didn't catch either of them. His hands are (laughs) god-awful. He is a special teamer, and I do not see Vince Mayo beating out Sean Colkin. That's very doubtful. The guy that I am interested in is the other guy, Andrew Vollert. Uh, Bengals cut him. The team actually put in a waiver claim for him, so they somewhat covet him because they didn't let him hit the wire. They wanted to pick him up. He was injured all of 2018, went from the uh, Cardinals practice squad to the Bengals. He's 6'5", 245. Uh, entering the draft last year. I don't know if he's packed on pounds since then. Uh, got a pretty good frame, decent route runner uh, at all three levels. Uh, he doesn't have much quickness or play strength, but he's interesting because he could be a practice squad guy, uh, maybe a guy that could push Colkin. But uh, other than that, the UDFAs aren't much to write home about. Um, the Duke tight end, Daniel Helm, like you mentioned, uh, he's probably the most intriguing or the biggest name. People were touting his blocking ability. Watching him at Duke, I didn't think he was all that good. Uh, But a pretty good pass catcher. uh, Works well in traffic. Has a knack for finding a spot in the zone. He wasn't draft-worthy, but, uh, you know, if he works on his blocking, maybe get some uh, work on special teams, maybe another practice squad candidate. But, man, again, there isn't much here in this group, and it is very, very thin, and the Chargers did nothing to help themselves out. And barring another injury, uh, the Chargers are in major trouble here. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. As long, if if somebody gets hurt, particularly if Henry gets hurt, they're screwed mm-hmm. tight end again. So yep. that's why, you know, since they didn't make a move in the draft, uh, and they didn't make a move, a real move in free agency, I think they're just waiting it out. And I would be very surprised if Gates does not re-sign with this team in the third or fourth week of training camp and kind of work his way back in slowly like he did last year. Um, I, you know, I think he had a couple big games against the Chiefs last year. Uh, Frankly, I think there are probably three or four people listening to this show right now who could have had big big games against the Chiefs secondary. <laughs> uh, I just don't think that secondary was very good. Their linebackers last year were not very good. They were awful. And I believe I, I tracked this last year, and I, I'm pretty sure the number is right. I think he had 11 games last year with three or fewer targets as the really the only receiving tight end on the roster. That's... Not a real good sign for productivity, even as a tight end too. Uh, it's just not somebody you can count on. I I know he was, you know, people will say he was pulling coverage away from Mike Mike Williams, and teams were focusing on him, and some of that may be true, but he just was not very good last year. He can't run; it's painful to watch him. It just hurts me to watch him play, to be yeah. honest. Just as as a longtime fan, it's just painful to watch him, you know, 
grinded out the way he is. You'd just kind of like to see him go out on his own, you know, on his own terms instead of being kind of spit out by the game. And it seems like he's headed in the other direction. He's probably going to wind up being chewed up and spit out as a guy who only the Chargers will touch at this point in his career because nobody else seems to be that interested. Would you rather have Antonio Gates in this stage of his career as a decoy or would you rather have Sean Colkin as your tight end three? Uh... <laughs> that's how bad this group is. Yeah, that, that's my answer. You might, you might uh... take a decoy as your tight end three. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on then. Uh, so last group here is wide receivers, and the Chargers are carrying 10. It is Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin, Dylan Cantrell, Jeremy Davis, Artavis Scott, Andre Patton, Justice Liggins, and two undrafted free agents, Fred Trevilian and Jason Moore. So going into the season, we can be fairly certain that unless somebody breaks out and forces their hand, the top three receivers on the roster will be Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Travis Benjamin. Uh, Pretty safe to assume that they are locked into keeping Benjamin based on the way they restructured his contract and the the way they restructured his bonus. Uh, He is going to be on the roster, and they are hoping that he breaks out as the bona fide number three receiver as the speed guy, the downfield guy. Um, We will see if that happens or not. But I think as Chargers fans, as people who are tired of watching Travis Benjamin dance out, out of bounds and drop balls and just not produce, uh, I think we really have to hope here that somebody from the group of you know, Dylan Cantrell, Artavis Scott, maybe Fred Trevilian, one of those guys. Jeremy Davis. Well, Jeremy Davis, I think, is probably going to make the roster anyway, um, is my guess. He's probably got the inside track, at least on the wide receiver four spot or five one of those last two spots. So you'd want Cantrell, you know, you'd want Cantrell, um, Scott, Trevelyan, maybe just Jason Moore, one of those guys to step up and force their hand with Benjamin. I think they wind up probably carrying five receivers, being that they will more than likely carry three quarterbacks and four running backs. I don't think they have, they'll have the spot for a sixth receiver. So they're probably going to wind up carrying five. I think, you know, you're looking at, like I said, Keenan, Benjamin, and Mike as the top three, and probably Davis as four or five, and my guess is Artavis Scott as four or five, somewhere in there, with Cantrell battling it out for the fifth spot, most likely, and the other guys more than likely being camp bodies, but with his speed and his ability to stretch the field in college, you would really kind of hope that Trevelyan steps up and shows out in camp and forces their hand because none of the other guys on this roster behind the top three are really speed, legitimate speed downfield guys like Benjamin is, which they obviously feel they need debatable whether or not they do, but they feel like they do. Uh, So you would hope somebody steps up in camp and shows that they can fill that role at a much lower cost and maybe forces their hand to cut, cut Benjamin. I doubt it happens, but one can hope. Yeah, a lot of people see Artavis Scott as a speed guy, but he's more of a possession receiver. So, yeah, uh, Trevelyan's the next speed guy on the roster. So, yeah, the Chargers carried six wide receivers last year. They'll be in the 5-6 range this year. Uh, You know, Travis Benjamin, of course, being a guy who's pretty much locked in. Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin, Keenan Allen, your top three wide receivers going into the season. Uh, Behind that is Dylan Cantrell, Jeremy Davis, and Artavis Scott. 
Artavis was on his way to leapfrogging Jeremy Davis last offseason during the preseason before that injury happened. So, you know, Scott might be that for, you know, it's almost interchangeable between Scott and Jeremy Davis as your wide receiver 4-5. And, uh, you know, last year, the Chargers, like I mentioned earlier, they cut Dylan Cantrell. Uh, they drafted him in the sixth round, but he didn't even make the the uh, 53, and they snuck uh, him back on the practice squad. But they elected to go with J.J. Jones, if you remember, uh, in that final 53. I think we all wanted to forget that. But, uh, you know, he's uh, a speedy guy. Maybe Trevelyan's that, um, you know, maybe he's that J.J. Jones this year. Uh, you know, the numbers were never there for him at San Diego State, but that was more of a scheme fit than a talent deficiency uh he can really run has some returner experience he was a former db things are developing you know i think adding some more speed to this roster wouldn't hurt so definitely a practice squad candidate but i think you're right i think uh artavis scott has to really or excuse me dylan cantrell really has to make a case here to be on the roster because uh so far they obviously don't value him as much as we all thought they did when they drafted them because they cut him and uh, we'll see how he does. And he's got to earn a spot here because Artavis Scott has shown that he uh, has earned a spot on this roster last year. Jeremy Davis has been a mainstay as a wide receiver depth. Uh, uh, you know, the other guys, Andre Patton, Justice Liggins, are basically camp bodies, and they're always there. I don't know why they keep returning to camp, but they're always there. They have, you know, they're no threat to make the roster. But uh, it, Dylan Cantrell is really the guy there that's on the cusp. He's on the bubble and whether he'll make the roster or not. I don't know that it's fair to say necessarily that the team doesn't value Dylan Cantrell because he was hurt and he was out for the year. So they couldn't, it didn't really make sense to keep him on the active roster last year because he had the hip pointer or whatever it was at the end, early in camp last year and he just never came back. So uh, as far as I know, he was out for pretty much the entire year last year. Um, Mm -hmm. But they kept him on the practice squad. So that tells me that they do value him. They, they wanted to keep him in the fold and have him learn the system, even though he wasn't going to be on the field. So I don't know that it's fair to write him off per se, because he's got, he certainly has the size that they clearly covet in their wide receivers at 6'3", 226. He's a great athlete. He can make the contested catch. He's kind of, um, you know, last year at this time, we were saying he does everything they thought Mike Williams would do. just watching him on tape in college. So, He's a guy who could sneak onto the roster. It wouldn't surprise me if he's one of the final three guys competing for the last two spots at all. Uh, but Davis, the team loves him, and I think he really helped himself last year with his special teams play. He stepped up huge in training camp last year, was a huge part of the special teams, and then um, really took that to the next level from the middle of the regular season on. He was a, a huge part of a much-improved coverage unit. So... I think Davis gets the inside track to one of those last two spots, and the and I think Scott probably has the inside track to one of those last two spots. So everybody else is chasing those two more than likely. But fingers crossed. You really want to see somebody like Trevelyan who has that speed step up and force the Chargers to make a tough decision because I think we've all seen Benjamin's role in this offense was seriously reduced last year. He was basically a gimmick player running sweeps and reverses and – you know, bubble screens and all that kind of stuff. And just, he wasn't really a factor in the offense. And it just seems like he's been left. He's been usurped, you know, by Mike Williams. And now they've got Henry coming back. The backs catch all those passes underneath. I just don't see how he fits in a large role. So they've got to be hoping somebody steps up and forces them to make a tough decision. We'll, we'll see if that happens. 
the restructure of that contract uh, clearly proves that they don't have a long-term investment in Travis Benjamin. And, yeah, obviously last year the way they were implementing him in the offense as kind of a gimmick player on those jet sweeps was just just telling. So, yeah, hopefully one of those players can uh, take over Benjamin's spot, but he's obviously penciled in as a wide receiver three now. And for Dylan Cantrell, I was just saying they don't cl- – in terms of levels of valuing him – there are ways you can, even if he was injured, to keep him on the roster and then sneak him on the practice squad later on the next round of cuts or something like that. But uh, they outright just cut him with a chance to being taken by another team, and a lot of people thought they would. So, yes, they do value him, but I, you know, I thought they valued him enough to keep him on the 53 and then sneak him on the practice squad later. But uh, not a guy I'm writing off at all, and that's not what I was trying to say. I'm just saying that it was surprising, I think, to all of us yeah. that they would outright cut him definitely uh, during the 53. But um, definitely a guy that's on the bubble. Um, he's got to beat out Jeremy Davis or Tavis Scott. I can do that. I lo- loved his college tape, and I'm really excited to see him. A real athlete, too. So uh, I'm excited to see Dylan Cantrell, and hopefully he uh, jumps up that depth chart. And he was lighting it up in camp before he got hurt, so... Fingers crossed he can do that again. Yep. All right, guys. Well, that's it for this round of the Lightning Round podcast. Uh, Next time we will cover offensive line. We'll talk about all of them, centers, guards, tackles, every single player on the current roster right now. For now, we're done. I am at Garrisisti on Twitter. Jamie? At Lightning underscore round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.